swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's good. Yes. And it is good. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank. As the doctor. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Way back to me. He just made the slam dunk. And the doctor made a sensational play. Pirates cut the bucket. They score. Andrew Bruce cut it. We welcome you to the first ever Philly Sports Hour here on Philly Sports Sports, our new show. I am Benjamin Goldstein, the host of this show. And how the show is going to work is every week and Saturday, we're going to live stream this on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our guests will also be able to live stream it on their sites as well. And we're going to talk some Philly sports. Today, we have a very exciting guest. He is the biggest Philly sports fan. He paints his face. He has a colored mohawk. He wears shoulder pads. He's the reason Philly sports doesn't have a dynasty. He plays hurling. He's the goaltender for the Philadelphia Wings. And he's the Philadelphia sports mush per a caller on 97.5 The Fanatic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the first guest on the Philly sports hour, the Philly sports guy. Face paint guy, how we doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. I don't know if I can live up to that billing. That's an amazing billing that I just received. You know, I, where I was not only, uh, you know, the mush of everything Philadelphia sports, but, you know, I, I caused COVID, uh, the Black Plague in the 1700s, and uh, that, that asteroid hitting uh, the Earth back uh, in the dinosaurs era. Yeah, so you're uh, you're the problem for a lot of things that has happened. Oh, I have a question, though. We're going to get to all that a little later. So I saw that you're playing hurling. Um, how, how have you ever played? Like, are you like, like what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I you know I. So when they uh, they reached out to me, obviously Philadelphia has got a hurling and Kamoji club, uh, and Kamoji is the female version of hurling. Okay. And uh, they reached out. They saw that I was playing lacrosse, and they said, you know. We would love for you to come out. We actually have a world-class hurling team that won the world championship last year. And it would be amazing if you came out. We're doing tryouts. It would be awesome for you to come out and, and, and see what it's all about. We'll teach you how to play the game. And uh, so I had to do some research. I'm like, oh, this is an Irish game. And I'm about as Irish as I come, you know, because I'm 100% Italian. So... But uh, they said, you know, you don't have to be Irish to play. Uh, and uh, that uh, they have an amazing facility. And they wanted me to come out and give it a shot. And who am I to say no? Yeah, where are you going to – first of all, are you going to go with the face paint on? Second, where where is their facility? Uh, see, now you're going to ask me questions that I'm not even sure of. Uh, so <laughs> if you go to Philadelphia Hurling and Kamoji Club, uh, you'd be able to get all of their information. They have five tryout dates. So anybody, I actually, once I found out, once I posted, there were a number of people that have come up to me. Uh, one, as as recent as yesterday, uh, after the polar plunge, uh, he's like, "What? you are going to love hurling. He says, I understand that it's here and, and there's not a lot of uh, a fanfare for it. 
But back in Ireland, he goes, I'm from Belfast. They have a 90,000-seat stadium for this for this sport. And they sell it out all the time. And I was like, that's amazing. You know, so I, I you know, I, okay. I, I've never, I've never played it. I, I've never even witnessed a game. So I got to imagine it's going to be a lot of uh, interesting fun. Yeah, I've watched some like hurling highlights. John Boy Media does this like random sports thing every week, and he has hurling on there all the time. It looks awesome. Um, so good luck with your tryout. Uh, we got to get going here. Uh, we ha- we only have an hour. We have until twelve o'clock. The Philly Sports Hour. And we have a lot to cover. A lot happened this week, and we're going to start with the Philadelphia 76ers, who had their trade deadline a few days ago, and it was kind of a weird one. They started the day acquiring Buddy Heald, and they traded Furkan Korkmaz and Marcus Morris, and Seemed like a good deal, and then things kind of went off the rails. They traded Daniel House Jr. in a second rounder for nothing. They traded Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. Um, just kind of weird moves all around. They traded Jaden Springer to the Celtics, and just so they acquired Buddy Heald and Cameron Payne and two second round picks, and traded away Marcus Morris, Furkan Korkmaz, Patrick Beverly, Jaden Springer, Daniel House Jr., and four second round picks. Just kind of a weird deadline. What were your takeaways? that they are preparing for a very unique uh, late-season buyout period. Uh, that the, I, There's going to be a lot of unique names, I think, that come out on the buyout period because of the way that the collective bargaining agreement is going on for next year. So if – Daryl Morey is, is a really uh, – I want to say he's a very calculated guy. And I'm not necessarily a fan of all of his moves. However, I do feel that he's got a a plan in place to do everything that they can to be able to get the Sixers past the second round at the very least and into the finals. So I believe that there is going to be a number of players that are in this buyout period, and he is preparing himself for it. By having all the, I mean, I think they only have what, like eight guys, nine guys on the roster right now. Yeah, they had ten guys active yesterday. Maxi wasn't available. They were very lucky for Campaign and Buddy Heald, who played decent last night. They almost actually beat the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they only had ten guys active with Maxi out. So really, there's eleven guys on this roster right now, and it's 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 like a it's a, the Sixers are in a really weird spot where like yeah, the other day in their deadline. I thought they started out as buyers, like they're going to get all these guys. They needed a center. They didn't get one. Then they just became sellers. They sold away two good young guys, one one in Jaden Springer, who I thought was the worst trade of the day um, as he was really good defensively against Luka and Steph um, games before. And then Patrick Beverly. I thought that was also a weird one. Patrick Beverly was interesting specifically. Uh, I, you know, I got asked about that yesterday. And, you know, I know that he's an energy guy and I'm, I'm an energy guy. I understand. Like it's the, you, sometimes you need that type of stuff and to just kind of give them away. Like they just kind of gave yeah. them away to, to the bucks. I, uh, I feel like that there's something else going on here. Like I said, there's something underneath here or uh, there is going to be a very unique buyout period uh, where I believe they are going to pick up a center and they are going to pick up, you know, I, 
I hear they're going to pick up Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's going to yep. be on the buyout market. Uh, yep. I believe the reason why they didn't trade for any center is because you're going to see uh, a name come back who's, I, I think, going to be bought out as well. And he's going to wind up being available, and he's going to come back and make a return as a sixer. So, uh, again, I don't want to talk out of turn. I just think these things are going to happen. Mm. Because why else? Why else clear so much? You know, I mean, these some of these players aren't getting a lot of playtime anyways. But why just get rid of them for a, a player to be named later? I've never heard that in a, in a basketball. It's always yeah. baseball that you hear that. So cash considerations, like why? Like, I, I don't understand. It's not like we're close to a cap or anything. So no, I it was very. I, I just like it was weird because they were putting these names with all these players. You saw the two guys from Detroit who went to who went to the Knicks. The Sixers were in on them. They were in on Andre Drummond, Laurie Marketing. There were all these names. Well, and, I, Drummond's the name that I hear is going to be in the buyout. That's that's that, that was my. If I wanted anybody, I wanted Andre Drummond. I love B-ball Paul. Mo Bamba's all right. But the Sixers need a veteran center to step in for it when Embiid's gone, which sounds like it might be the whole season because I don't know if this team can even make the playoffs um, right now. It's – I think they've really missed out. I know centers really moved yesterday as it was, but I just – that was the main thing that I was concerned with is that they were unable to get anyone – that really helps because you're basically slip swapping campaign and Patrick Beverly um, Payne's a little bit of a better scorer than Beverly is, but I still think Beverly's more valuable and you know, you get buddy healed. Who's going to help for now. I mean, he's going to help with the three point shooting, but you need a physical guy down low and they didn't get that. Yeah. And that's obviously the way basketball is played right now, it's all played at the three-point arc. So yeah. having healed at the three-point arc is, is absolutely going to help, especially when we have the entire team in play. And that's kind of, you know, I know that was part of the thought process. I feel like it's two years too late for healed. Yeah. Like we wanted to have him here a couple of years ago, weren't able to pull the trigger for some reason, you know, Furcon was just worth more to us then than he is now. Uh, he's only been crying for two years that he wanted to get out of here. And so yeah. I felt like maybe we should have given him what he wanted. But obviously he's not Ben Simmons, so he, nobody listens to him as, as greatly as anybody else. But ultimately, I think he, he will help, especially when Embiid comes back. And I think that em, Embiid may come back. I feel like that they're talking about to the end of the season, but there's no way that the Sixers are going to wind up going below the 10 seed. And if we make it in, even as a 10 seed, I think that there's a good chance that we wind up in the playoffs and we win those last two games, especially with Embiid, and then we wind up making some waves as an 8 seed or a 7 seed. I mean, that's really that's the realistic thing. I th- I, this team just isn't good without Joel. They haven't been able – they're on their fourth straight loss, and a lot of these games have been very uncompetitive except last night because the Hawks stink. Um, and they're right. really- Trey Young 37 point performance to get past the team without Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey. Um, I it was just very weird. And I think this Embiid situation is weird too, because it sounds like 
they're just hopeful that he'll return. They don't they don't have an exact timeline, I don't think. Well, and so the surgery that was done was done microscopically rather than what was typically done. And that's that's what usually holds up everything. The fact that you have to almost that that surgery that was done in the past where you almost had to open up the entire knee to make that occur. And then you got to put it all back together again. Then you need the stitches to cure, the staples to cure, and everything kind of mesh back together. That's not how this part was done. This was done microscopically now. So I'm not a doctor. I can't really say. But the tables, the timetable for the return is supposedly much, much greater than it was in the past. So that's where I believe that, you know, I'm sure he's in part of rehabbing right now. Like, Mm -hmm. and if I was, you know, I know that I don't have that type of money, but if I had that type of money, I'd be sending him to Costa Rica, getting all the stem cells he can in every part of his body that he can. Shoot him up with all the stem cells, get him all set up and ready to go so that when we get back here and it's, and it's, you know, late April and May that he's ready and raring to go and very well rested. Yeah, that's the hope. We're going to move on from the Sixers, but first we're going to talk about one of our sponsors, and that is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a ticket-buying app that makes buying tickets so easy. It's the easiest and most efficient way to buy your tickets. Each seat is given a green, red, or yellow dot, and that just shows you if the deal's good. So if it's red, stay away from it. If it's green like the Eagles, go to it. And we know there's a lot of sporting events on tap. Philly season's just around the corner Flyers are in the midst of their season. They're playing well. The Sixers, if you want to, if you want to go watch some bad basketball, you can go to those games as well. But you're going to save some money as well um, by using code Philly Sports Report. You can save twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, that is Philly Sports Report to save twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. Click the link in the description on YouTube or in the bio to save. We're going to move on now to. The Philadelphia Flyers, who in one week from tonight will be playing in MetLife Stadium in the stadium series. They came back from the break this week and had a pretty good week, face paint guy. Yes, uh, they have been playing really well. The one thing that I would say about Torts, having Torts as the coach, is that he's going to have these guys moving. And in hockey, you don't need to have all of the, you know, you don't need to have all the skill. If you have if you have speed and you have hustle, you're going to win some games, and that's what they're doing. They are hustling and they're winning and they're putting themselves in position to be able to score some goals. Uh, they beat Winnipeg. Well, I know Winnipeg's on a little bit of a down streak where it was their fifth loss in a row, but Winnipeg's a good team. Yeah, and to just be like out of nowhere coming out and smacking them like we did, and I knew we they were they were prime for a smacking. Now, in fact, I don't normally bet, but I actually bet that game and said, hey, the Flyers were an underdog. I says, I got them winning by over a puck and a half. So we should take the reverse puck line. And, uh, you know, it was a plus 265 and it hit. There you go. My thing with that game against the Jets the other night, though, is they got off such a great start. And then those last two periods, they could hardly get a shot on net. Um, it was kind of like a weird like a weird at last two periods, you got off to such a good start, and then the next two, you look like the team that lost the five straight games going into the break. Well, the Jets are a good team, you know, yes. and that's really, a, and obviously that's what started to happen. They, you know, 
we're so used to seeing this with the Flyers where they, they start – the Jets right now are going through a very similar situation where they are – putting a lot on net, but they're putting it, you know, and it's just getting saved and saved yeah. and saved. And there's some good saves that are occurring, but for the most part, they're throwing it right at the goalie and the goalie's making an easy save. And I think that that's what they're doing. They're just, they're, they're continually trying to put it on net because ultimately the buck, the buck will start to bounce in opposite directions. But at the moment they're struggling. And I think that that's, Part of what happened, you saw their coach light a fire under them. They were down three nothing in the first period. So yes, obviously you're going to the coach is going to go in there, start turning tables over, start yelling some French words that we're not allowed to say here on this on, on this platform, and, and things will start to go crazy, and they're going to get some fire under their ass, and that's kind of what occurred. And I kind of expect that that's what happened. They started blocking more shots. You know, no, not as many pucks were getting to the net. And that was what was occurring. The Flyers were able to get to the net pretty easily. And in the second and third period, they weren't. So yeah, they, they also on Tuesday, they went out to Florida and beat the Panthers, which is a big win because the Panthers are also a good team. You, they went to the Stanley Cup last year. You usually don't expect a team from Florida to be good at hockey, but the Panthers are pretty good. And they went there and just stole a win 2 1 over Florida. So the Flyers, after their five game losing streak heading into the break, have really turned things around coming out of it. And they well, really I, needed that break. It was a perfect timing for them. Exactly. And that was a way to get back to practice, start going back to the fundamentals that got them into the third seed now in the first place. Sometimes you forget that. Sometimes you start to get a little too cute. Uh, and that's what Torts had to start to rein back in. Uh, it's a surprise. This team is in a rebuilding phase, and they have a lot of young kids. And that's that's the thing about young having young kids. When you have young kids around, they don't know that they're not supposed to be good. So they start doing things, and they start listening, and they start buying in. And, I mean, that's what happened with the Islanders in the bubble. They were a very young team. Same thing with the Canadians. Very young team. But they started to buy in, and they started to win. And, you know, a team that, you know, like goes out and drinks together, wins together. And I think that this team is a very close knit group. I think they go out and they party together. I think that they practice hard together, uh, even with some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes with Carter Hart and, you know, all the other things that were occurring because that whether you had a member of your team, obviously the Devils had two players uh, and there was somebody out in the West Coast that also got called up there that that sent a ripple throughout the entire NHL. Yeah. And you get to feel that ripple. We had a big ripple. That was, you know, we were one of the stones that got thrown in the pond. You know, so we felt that way very quickly because of Carter Hart. So the fact that they've been able to deal with that adversity and still play as strong as they have been is really a testament to the coaching and the way that this organization is being run as of right now. That's for sure. I actually got to meet Keith Jones and Danny Briere. I was in the suite for the Boston game, and we would just walk around and in come Danny Briere and Keith Jones right by us. I was able to snap a picture with Jones. Uh, Danny Briere wasn't the happiest. The Flyers were losing like 5 nothing at that point, um, so he was kind of storming off. But Keith Jones stopped and talked to me. And it was it's, it's different than how it used to be. And my thing, my, the best thing about it is ever since Ed Snyder passed, the Flyers have never been a family, which they always were. But bringing Jones and Briere in, who were very close with Ed Snyder, this organization, or organization as they would say, is a family again. And it really showed that 
on the Ed Snyder tribute night when they played like how those Snyder teams did. And no team has been as close in a long time as this Flyers team is. And it's just the organization's a family again. They're very open with their fans through the whole Cutter Godier situation. And even with this Carter Hart situation, they've been open, as open as they can be. And it's just, it's I've never had a Flyers team in my lifetime of what I've been a fan of that has been a family like this. And it's it's good to finally see some good Flyers hockey. You know, it, and it started with the hire of, I mean, not, not Jones, but even his boss, the CEO of this yeah. organization. Uh, when they brought somebody in who was a Philadelphia guy. Who, yeah, no yeah, and he's the one that's kind of put everything back in motion. There were a lot of things that were happening with the last regime that I I wouldn't have been able to deal with as as somebody working for that organization. I, I, I had heard a lot of different things. You could tell they were losing fans in the stands. The Flyers yep. fan base is one of the most loyal fan bases in all of sports. Even yep. if they stink, they sell out. If they If they feel that this team is worth it. And they had, you know, last year they felt the team wasn't worth it. And that, that showed in the stands when yep. you, I've never seen uh, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Bruins take over our stadium ever. Like I did last year, mm-hmm. Penguins, same situation like that. And that never would occur. Yeah. And it was occurring last year. I don't think it's going to occur again for a little while. Yeah, and this team's good. They just locked up Owen Tippett for a long time. He's going to be really good. Travis Konechny's really good. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Sam Erson. I think he's been very good. After the Carhartt situation, it was kind of a tough fill-in, you know, everything going on. You work super close with him, and boom, just like that, that whatever, you know, and tough role for him to fill in. But ever since the break, everyone was able to clear their mind. He's played very well, and I think this team's in a good spot right now. And I think they could go – I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, but they could they find make a way. wave. They could make a wave in the playoffs, depending yes. on how they play. That's that's it. And, and to answer Claw, he keeps asking whether the Flyers are a one or a three seed. To be honest, I'm hoping they're a two seed. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're good enough to be a one seed, and I don't want them in the one seed position. Position. I'd like them to be in a two seed so they get home field uh, for that first playoff, uh, first playoff round. But other than that, I just don't see. I, I don't. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, it's it's great. It doesn't matter because playoff hockey. There's nothing better than playoff hockey. That's for sure. Uh, we'll get to all the comments when we're wrapping up the show. We'll go through a little Q and A segment. Um, but we got to we're gonna move on to the Stanley Cup or the not Stanley Cup, the Stadium Series, which is coming up uh, next week. And I want to ask you about the jerseys. So here they are. They're a different design than we usually see. Uh, what are your thoughts on them? I'm I think they're okay. Okay is a good word. That's about what I think about them. Uh, it's, I mean, I, 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 obviously they want something different, but they want to keep it on brand, and that's how I feel like they did this here. It was, you know, they, they're not, they're never going to mess with that. They tried to mess with the logo one time when they try to put the the Flyers name in cursive on the jersey. <laughs> that stunk. Uh, I, I like the orange and black, obviously, like it's that kind of thing. I like that deeper orange, uh, you know, the black stripe going all the way around the, you know, the arms and kind of going across the back. Eh, all right. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's, it's okay. The Jersey is okay. I don't love it. Uh, I don't hate it. 
Yeah, I mean, that black stripe going around is my least favorite part. I also don't love how big the numbers are. The numbers are huge on the shoulders, on the back. I just well, think it's weird. Have you ever been to a, a stadium series? Oh, well, I have I never have, but I know people that have, and it's very hard to see. But for a hockey That's... jersey, it's just like – it just looks weird in these, uh, in these photos how big they are. But I, I understand I the reason why <laughs> – and they and that's the thing. It's it's so hard to tell who is who. So that's why they've learned that they have to make these numbers much bigger because nobody can tell. Nobody can see. Yeah. You almost have to have binoculars to watch this game, even if you are close to the action. Because even as close as you get, it's still too far away. Yeah, it's right in the middle of football field. And at MetLife, you know, that stadium is huge. And we're going to talk about MetLife in a little bit. Um, it's a huge stadium. It's very... Also, I think the helmet's weird. Just the one big Flyers logo on the sides, kind of a little. Actually, I, that that part doesn't matter to me. You yeah, know, I I I like that kind of thing. I don't know that I'd have it right on the side, uh, or realistically, that they should have had the circle and then have maybe wings going on both sides. Mm. Like that would have probably been better. But uh, I mean, I I don't dislike kind of like kind of like the Eagles helmet, kind of similar. Similar. I think that they could have done something there. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm not the designer. And they may have tried to do something like that, and it just looked ridiculous. So yeah. I this can't is, say. Yeah, this is the last uh, Flyers Adidas jersey. They're going to make Fanatics takes over next year. So that'll be interesting to see uh, how Fanatics takes over. Let's move on to the atmosphere. Uh, you've been to stadiums uh, to outdoor hockey games. This is the first one that they're playing in New York. They played in Boston. They played at Pittsburgh. Now they're going to, I guess, New Jersey. Um, how's the atmosphere going to be? Do you know what the Flyers to Devils ratio may be? And just kind of the atmosphere of an outdoor game. I think you're going to see a lot more Philadelphia than you will New York uh, or, or New Jersey even because, I mean, I, I like to make fun that the Devils fan base is still the 13 people that went to that one game. Uh, that's... You know, I know that I, I expect to see my counterparts there. Uh, there are a couple of Dur Jersey Devil super fans. That, so I expect to see them there. Uh, but I think it's going to definitely be a lot more Philadelphia fans just because they like this kind of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of these games. First off, I you can't see. You can't watch the game. It's really cold. It is really cold at these games. So it's like, I don't, I'm not, I, I, like going to hockey games, I don't mind being a little bit chilly because it's on ice. I don't want to be in the ice, you know, while yeah. we're watching the game. So it's it's a little different for me. So I walk around. I'm going to be all over the place in this. You won't see me in my seat for very long because I'm going to want to go see how everybody is and get everybody riled up and have a good time. Uh, mm -hmm. But short of that, uh, it's going to be interesting to go up against the Devils. I, I you know, I'm I'm a big fan of of making fun of the Hughes brothers and stuff like that, and and poking fun at the, some of those guys over there. Uh, it's you know, so it, it'll be fun in that regard. But short of everything else, I hope it's like 45 degrees at least. It's a little yeah. Bit it looks like the high on Saturday is going to be about 40. So you're looking at like a 30s um, at MetLife. But you said you'll be up and around, so it'll be a little warmer. It's going to be better than that one that was at the link a few years ago where it was rainy and like warm like that was like a weird hockey atmosphere the ice was melting 
Right. It was a really weird game. Like the Flyers. Came oh, you remember back during COVID? And... When COVID, when they did it out on a golf course in the middle oh, of the Oh, they Sunday, did it. it was... Yeah, that was ridiculous. It was it was very cool, but they had to push all the games back. That was also really weird. Yeah. So, so it was. Uh, I mean, it's. I, I that would have been a fun one to go to, but yeah. obviously it was during COVID, so nobody could go to it. Now that's what made it also cool. There were no fans, so it was just like the sounds of the surrounding. You had the Lake Tahoe in the back. I mean, it was a cool setting, cool idea. Flyers lost, so it's very unmemorable to me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that is what it is. I remember that was like the first hockey game that we all kind of sat back and watched together as like one big group. You know, yeah. even though we were all in our own houses and COVID and such. I was. I remember broadcasting that live and. Yeah, we we did make it a little bit of a game, but it, they were just so much better than us at that point. Yeah, and the Flyers were bad that year too. I mean, that was the gear where they were blowing leads left and right, and that was just a bad, unexciting team. Um, the MetLife Stadium is where the game is being played. A lot of people don't like MetLife Stadium. A lot of people do like MetLife Stadium. Where do you stand with MetLife? It's underwhelming. You know, it's it's just underwhelming. It's like they took Giant Stadium. They said, okay, here's the design for Giant Stadium. Let's clean this up a little bit and make it MetLife Stadium. And that's kind of what it was. So it's it's kind of very uh, vet-esque in terms of the way that they did the field, the way that they do different things in general. Uh, I, I don't mind it. I mean, we haven't had a good record there this year, but typically we win – most of the games that we go up there to play. So uh, like I said, this year was an anomaly where we lost two in a row. Uh, obviously the Jets had never beaten us. And then the Giants beat us the last game of the season. So it's, you know, it's a new year now. And hopefully uh, the Flyers can break the snide here. Yeah, that'd be great, especially on the national TV. Let's talk about that team that you were just referencing, the Philadelphia Eagles. They have two new coordinators, Kellen Moore at the offense and Vic Fangio at defense. What are your thoughts on the hires? Uh, well, I'm going to talk about Vic. Vic is, as I think about everybody who has been here over the last three coordinators, you know, it's really since since uh, since the Super Bowl, you know, it, we've had Vic Fangio's defense here without Vic. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Vic. So I think the carbon copy is not as good as the real thing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the difference here that we are going to now have somebody who understands all the nuances of his defense because it's his and everywhere he's gone with it. He has typically had top 10 defenses. I know that, you know, when you look at it, some of these defenses were horrible that he's had, but he didn't have the personnel in place. This team has a lot of personnel on defense, and I think that he's going to be able to see and understand how to put people in places to succeed and not necessarily think about, oh, well, we need this guy in coverage and this guy in coverage. I think that he knows what everybody's strengths and weaknesses are, and he will utilize them to put them in the right position. And that's where I feel like we have been lacking in the last couple of years. Uh, also, I, I'm I'm a much bigger. If we're not going to blitz, I want the wide nine because the wide nine mm -hmm. gets so much more pressure, especially with the people that we have in place. Uh, when they don't have the wide nine, as we saw this year, we went from 72 sacks for the year 
to what we have 24 sacks all year long. That it's a 50 sack difference, all and all because of the line, the offense or the defensive line not being in the wide nine. Maybe Uh, I think that that was part of the problem. And then, of course, having Reddick go out in coverage, what are we doing with that? Really, that's that was just ridiculous to me. Yes, the Vic Fangio should help. My thing is, is the personnel on actual, like the actual guys on the field. Um, it's still going to be a problem if there are not moves made this offseason. I really don't think the defense last year was the – I think it got worse with Matt Patricia, and I really didn't have a huge problem with Sean Desai. His defenses were good up until about, you know, those Buffalo, Dallas, and all those games, but those were the best offenses in the NFL. Um, those I um, The problem I had with Desai was – he was not making good enough adjustments. That's correct. you know, and that's that was the hard part about that. Was like, hey, listen, you have to adjust some. Your 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 game plan's not working. It's time to change up the game plan a little bit. And uh, at the beginning of the season, he was making those adjustments. Teams were getting leads, and we were coming back and winning games, and or holding on to win games. You know, at the end of the season, yeah, you know, when they traded off from him. It seemed to me like, and the things that I was hearing was that he was being too much of a micromanager and that he was giving way too much of these, uh, all right, this is this is the part of your scheme now. You have to do this, 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 if this happens. You have to do this, 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 if this happens. I have to do this, 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 if this happens. Instead of just saying, okay, this is your spot. This is what we want you to cover. You got these things going on. I, I think he was expecting way too much from his people. And then all of a sudden you bring in Matt Patricia, who may have had some say in what was going on beforehand, but then is like, okay, you're just going to do this right like this. You know, everybody, everybody everywhere. And that's what it looked like. Everybody was everywhere. And, you know, when you have a whole, when you have 11 kids chasing after the same soccer ball, it kind of looks like a big cluster. You know, and that's kind of what was going on. I felt like the the linebackers had no idea. And once and and once we lost, you know, uh, Nicobe Dean, there was nobody who knew anything about what was going on in that linebacker court, and it showed. Yeah, hopefully, uh, during that during this draft coming up in April, I guess it's coming up soon. Uh, they can pick up some linebackers. I mean, they failed to draft linebackers the last few years. Hopefully they learned from their mistake and pick up one this year. Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator. Any thoughts on him? Just really. I am going to reserve my thoughts on that. I, I honestly, uh, the first thought is, is that Cowboys that become Eagles don't always work out very well. And same thing, Eagles that become Cowboys don't work out very well. Mm-hmm. I still look at him as a Cowboy right now, even though he came from Los Angeles. So I, I'm i going to reserve my judgment. I want to see how he does. Uh, obviously, when he was with Dallas, he would put up a lot of points on the board. However, he became very, very predictable. And I want to see how different his predictability is going to be now 
because ultimately, if he's going to do the same things he did in Dallas and the same things he did in Los Angeles, I know that there was a lot of people hurt out there. So when your quarterback's hurt and you know your 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 top receiver is out most of the time, you're not going to play very well, and that's kind of what occurred. But ultimately, I want to see what he is made of here before I, I start to give judgment. Because as of right now, I know too many Cowboys fans, and I've already heard them talk about Kellen Moore the way they have. So <coughs> until I see it for myself as him as an eagle, I, I'm going to just say, okay, I'm going to let you have your shot. Yeah, I mean, you got that with the predictable <laughs> offense. They want a life. They want a new lifeful o- offense and – I don't know if you're exactly getting that with Kellen Moore. You're going to get a guy that's going to run the ball more, but just a little more life in the offense. You're not going to really get a whole lot of that. Um, Nick Sirianni um, was the lead, uh, the lead chancellor in the fallout that was last season. Um, he is now taking a step back and just saying he's going to go to a few meetings now and then. I'm not really exactly sure what his role is going to be as a head coach. Um, what are your thoughts on Nick Sirianni returning? Are you a fan of it? Are you not a fan of it? Or is it we'll test the waters this year with Sirianni? What's what's your stance on it? I I actually am a fan. I I think that what happened last year really didn't have anything to do with Nick, uh, and there wasn't anything he could do about it. I think that he's him taking the step back to become more of the head coach and not as much of a. Like he was doing some offensive coordinating stuff. He had to jump in on the defensive coordinating stuff. And you can't do that as a head coach. You can't be talking to your offense and then something happened in the game where you may want to call timeout. You may want to do a challenge and you're not sure because you didn't see the play because you're too busy taking care of what should be uh, an offensive coordinator or a position coach's job. And that's what I think occurred. I think that there was some mess that happened in that locker room. In fact, I know there was some mess that occurred in that locker room that got resolved now. That is resolved. So I feel that he is – he's not a bad coach. He, he doesn't always have the right words. But he's going to be just fine, uh, ultimately. Or if he's not, we're going to find out very quickly, and he's not going to be around much longer. Yeah, I think this is the real test year for Sirianni. This is the year he's going to have to try and hold his job, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. We've got a long way until then, though, but also it's coming up soon. And what's coming up soon is the Eagles are going to Brazil. The Eagles will be the home team for the NFL's first-ever game in Sao Paulo, I hope I pronounced that right. In Brazil. San Paulo, yeah. Even though it's there's no O, there's no N. It's San Paulo. San Paulo in Brazil in 2024. It'll be on a Friday night in week one. Very weird. I'm assuming you'll be there. What are your thoughts? Where else on, would I be? What I, are your thoughts? I I like it actually. I I <laughs> I, I don't like the fact that we lose a home game to Brazil. Yeah. You know, it's like you get nine home games and, and uh, I know why they did Philadelphia. I know that, you know, it's not the fact that it's the first week of the season. I kind of like because that gives them a couple of weeks to prepare and where, you know, but I like the home. I like being the home guy at home, you know, in, in the link and getting all that stuff together. And obviously that'll happen. I think it's likely to happen now week four. 
I think yeah. they're going to give us a home game, obviously, in Brazil, and then two games away. And then we're going to be back on Monday night football for our actual home opener in week four, <clears throat> which is going to seem very odd. I, I think I, that's I think that is I think it's I think that's terrible. I think the not being able to play in front of your home fans, of course they'll travel, but you know, a full seventy thousand stadium at the link until week four, like they could realistically come into the link 0 and three. Like it depends no, who their can't. first couple of no, it depends can't. on who the first couple opponent I don't feel very good about this upcoming season as it is right now, but if you like the three, those three weeks, it really, it could be. Well, I mean, we'll see when we get there. But that atmosphere, it might, you know, we'll see. It's just, I, and like I said, they, I, we won't find out the schedule until May. So yeah. don't go by what I'm saying. I just, I, I have I, I, a thought I, process I, in my head. Yeah, like I think that's. I think it'll be around week four, around there. I mean, well, it's, and, and it's by sucks, doing but. that, by doing that, by not having us home. Like we're having our first game home and then having two weeks away. At that point, we have now, you know, for week four being our first actual home game, we have eight home games really put together in 13 weeks. It's a lot of home games that actually works to our benefit, kind of against what we did last year, where it was like so many games against so many good teams all put into one. I mean, the, the schedule kind of worked against us last year. I think it's going to work for us. So when you say, yeah, it sucks that we won't, we may not have our first actual home game till October 1st. Yes, I agree. That sucks. However, think about how many home games we're going to have after that. And they're going to have to take into consideration the fact that they can't do it in October, can't have those home games in October either, because we have a team across the across the street who could be playing a lot of games in October. Yep. Hope so. We'll get to the Phillies in a little bit. Uh, let's move on to Jason Kelsey. Um, it was rumored that he's going to retire. There was a video of him saying he's going to try not to retire. Jason Jordan Mailata said there's no way he retired. There's no way he comes back after he had his shirt off in Buffalo drinking and he was gambling out in Vegas. I mean, wh what do you think? Uh, is Kelsey going to return or is he retiring? Is he done? Like what? Like it's very I have, it's weird. I have said been very very specific when it comes to Kelsey. I don't think he retires. I think that <clears throat> he is very ready to become a dad. Yeah. He's also the reason why <clears throat> excuse me. He's the reason why his brother's got a girlfriend. He's the reason why <laughs> his whole family has been on the map. Yeah. Uh, and that does play a part of this. You know what I mean? He's become an icon. He's become one of uh you know USA Today's or People magazine's sexiest man alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So there is a lot of fanfare that's come with this. And I think that some of that fanfare even interfered with his play a little bit, because mm -hmm. like, he didn't have a great season at the end of the, at the end of the season. But nobody did. So, I think he comes back. I think he's ready to be a father. I just feel that his daughters are still too young. They're not playing any sports yet. They're not really doing anything crazy. And you know, while he still has some juice left in the tank, he's going to play. I always feel that players play two years longer than they should you know the mm -hmm. two years too long this would probably go if he plays this year it would be the first of those two years 
And I think that he's smart enough to realize that he wouldn't come back for a second year if he, if it really is his first of two years. If he has another all pro season, then I can't say that. You know what I mean? Then it's not. He's obviously still too good to be put into that category. But think about Jason Peters. Jason Peters has been in the league now six years too long. And um, I feel that his these six years have cost him his first round ballot. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. And he definitely should go in as an Eagle in the Hall of Fame. But I, I feel that it's now he's no longer a first first ballot. He's now probably second or third ballot because of how he's performed in the last six years when he just can't go away. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Jason Kelsey's back to Kelsey is my favorite, my favorite athlete of all time. Um, I I remember at the parade, we left the crowd and we sat on a bench a little away from the crowd, just taking everything in. And during his speech, watched it the other day. It was the anniversary on Thursday, the six years. And I just, I just remember hearing a man screaming and then looking at the TV and seeing it's Jason Kelsey in a mummer suit. I was, I was, 10 so i didn't really know what was going on and then i mean it's just that always has stuck with me um i i just don't think there's any way he goes out the way he has the way the eagles did last year he's too much of a competitor to just say i'm done like i think he i think he will come back next year i don't know if he's We'll we'll see what really happens. I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't think there's any way he's just like I'm done. I just don't. I I agree with that. I think, like I said, I th- I for all the other reasons as well. I feel that yep. he's just he's he's almost there. He's almost there, but he's not yep. there yet. You know, and uh, the same thing with Travis. I think that Travis, you know, not that I, not that he's even an Eagle, but I think that they want to retire together. And I think mm-hmm. that when, if they, especially if they win this Super Bowl, there's no way Travis can retire because they want to be the first team to ever three-peat. Yeah. And that's, that's a, that's a real thing. And ultimately I just don't see that happening. I, I, I don't see either one of them retiring. And another thing with Kelsey is you heard Brandon Graham say he wants to come back for one last year in his in his retirement tour, um, the farewell tour. I will see what happens with Fletcher Cox. But if you can have Fletch, Kels, and B and BG all retire together in one last year, I think that would be very poetic and perfect for their tenure as an Eagle. And I think if they could make that happen, that would be perfect. I, I think that all three are going to come back. I believe that Fletcher Cox is going to do it differently than Brandon Graham and Kelsey are. Kelsey and Brandon Graham need to be on the field. I think Fletcher Cox is going to mm, just not resign until November. Like he's going to do the Indomitian Sioux and just come in very late and be rested to do a run of six games in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really what he should do. I I, I don't think he's ready to give it up yet. He probably was one of the better players on the field in the playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one that actually showed the fire that Mm -hmm. was getting in the middle of scrums and getting in the volley, getting involved. I thought that he brought it that game. Uh, 
I just I, I don't think he's done yet, and I think that he likes playing football. And uh, when he retires, he's going to definitely go away. Like he's going to go to his ranch in Texas and and live the rest <laughs> of his life there. You know what I mean? He's yeah. not going to he's not going to look back. Mm. But I think he's not ready to look ahead yet. Yep, I agree with that. We're going to move on, and we're going to talk about another one of our sponsors, Foco. Thank you to Foco for sponsoring Philly Sports. Sports real fans need the best gear. That's why Foco makes legendary gear for the most legendary fans. Click on the link in the description or the bio to save 10% off any order at Foco. Facebook guy, you have a lot of experience with Foco. You've been seen many times wearing the overalls. They're awesome. They are. They really are. I, uh, I'm i not an overall guy either, uh, but uh, I, I love those things. I put them on all the time. It, it really is great. Uh, I'm waiting for Foco to send me my second shipment with the Phillies and uh, the Flyers. Yeah, I have my. Foco, uh, I, are you hopefully you're hearing? Yeah, <laughs> listen in, Foco. Um, I was sent some Phillies overalls, and I had them on for games six and seven of the NLCS, and they lost both of them. So I don't know if I'm ever going to wear them again because they were bad luck. But you know what? It's, just, hey, listen, I, it was all my fault. Didn't you hear? Didn't you hear? Hey, you know that guy say all that stuff that hey, it was my fault. <laughs> Sixers, you know, the Sixers not getting out of second round. Phillies losing in the World Series and, and the NLCS, COVID, the asteroid, everything. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, we didn't hear, I didn't hear no bell. That's right. I didn't, I never <laughs> do. I never hear that bell. <laughs> All right. So we'll move on to the Phillies. Spring training face bank guy is starts on Wednesday. Pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's Day, February 14th, but still some free agent buzz going around. Um, the Athletic or USA Today and several MLB executives believe the Phillies could be landing destinations for Jordan Montgomery or Cody Bellinger. And also, there's been some buzz with the Phillies and Blake Snell. Emmanuel Classe has been rumored to be in talks with the Phillies. There's a lot going on with the Phils. Do you think any of this will come to fruition? I don't want Bellinger. I don't. I don't want to become the Dodgers, and that's what it sounds like every time I hear more Dodger, Dodger. Yeah, no, no, I don't want any more Dodgers. Uh, I, I Montgomery is a little intriguing to me. I, I feel like that they need some help with the starting rotation still. Uh, the bullpen will work itself out, and until the kid gets back up here, uh, and we know that he actually is repaired with that, you know, Tommy John surgery. I, I don't know, like, Payne, and I'm talking about Andrew Painter. Uh, yeah. I don't know that they have enough of rotation to be able to handle. Uh, they have to go back to what they did before two years ago. They were, they were built to win games nine to seven. They weren't built to win games five, four, and four, three. And that's what happened in game six and game seven. You can't win those games. You got to score runs. And that's what this team is built off of. So they're going to have to rely on that. And I just don't believe that Bellinger is the answer there. So I'd rather go into the season with what we have, expect that Turner's going to start off better than he did last year, that Castellanos is still a lot more uh, in tune with the way he's playing. And he played, he played, he gets better on an annual basis once he gets comfortable. And his wife loves it here. So I still firmly believe that he is going to be an integral part of this. And, of course, now we have, we have you know, Harper being able to start the season rather than, you know, uh, we're going to wait to, you know, May to get him out there a little too early, I felt, and such. Mm-hmm. I, so I think that there's going to be a lot different of a feel 
once opening day begins here and that they're going to be able to score those runs. And if they score those runs, they'll win those games. And winning those games is going to lead to, you know, being able to be buyers at the trade deadline and getting the pitching help that we need to get over the hump. Yeah, I think that I a lot of people are worried with the bullpen. I think this bullpen is going to be good, better by subtraction. I think Craig Kimball being gone helps this bullpen. I I think the problem with Kimbrell is and all his innings at the beginning of the season was because Jose Alvarado was injured. Strength Dominguez was out. Jeff Hoffman wasn't Jeff Hoffman yet. Now they have those three guys to start the season, and they can all pitch in the late game. And then you have uh, Bryce Harper, who's starting the season. You have Trey Turner, who's going to play like Trey Turner. You have your starting – you have your playoff roster already to start the season, which they haven't had in a long time. You have Nola. You have Wheeler. Ranger Suarez is going to start the season like he did it last year. Hopefully, yeah. as long as he got his visa worked out and all that other fun <laughs> stuff, he's got to. Yeah. It's always something else that has to do with Ranger. But yeah. uh, I, I agree. I think that that's those three. Those three should win the crux of their games. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Nola with a six and thirteen record. You know, at a three point four five ERA. You know, or three even a three point seven five ERA. You know, it's like I, I want him to be winning those games. If we, you know, our number, if we, if our pitcher is under four ERA, he should have more wins than losses. And that didn't happen last year. So I we need that to happen this year. And your guys are going to be rested. Hopefully this offense will be good enough so you don't need to use all your bullpen guys. And I think they're going to get off to a good start this year. Um, what are your thoughts on Montgomery and Snell? Do you think those are a possibility? And the Emmanuel Classe thing that Howard Eskin reported, do you think that's also a possibility? Do you think the Phillies will do anything? And what should they I, do? I, I think Montgomery Montgomery's a possibility. I'm not sure about Snell or or the guy that Howard reported. Yeah. Uh, I just I haven't heard enough yet. I will be going down to spring training. So, I'll, of course, I'll have my ear to the ground then specifically. But you know, until that point, I'm, I'm kind of just hey, – hey, listen – Dombrowski knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that I would say for certain is that you know they have the right people in place running this organization, mm-hmm. and I believe in John Middleton's way of you know running his team, yep. and that until they start doing things improperly, you know, or having the wrong people in place, I'm going to trust the fact that these guys know what they're doing. This wasn't a good market off season market no. at all, so. Yeah, it was a weird. It was weird because there was only Otani and Yamaboto, and of course they both went to the Dodgers, and then there was really a large. Fall. And I love it that because that they're they're going to be the Mets of this year. All that money spent, <laughs> spend the billions of dollars, and you know what? Still knocked out in the first round. I hope you guys win 135 games, and then you still get beat. You still get beat by the Padres. They'll come to Philadelphia for the NLDS and. Otani and Yamamoto will never, they've never played in a place like Philadelphia and it'll be fun. I, I'll, it's going to be like the Braves from a few years ago. They don't know what they're walking into and you know, the, the loud house at the bank, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Um, well, what's not good are these Philly city connect jerseys. Um, here they are. This is the leak. So they're not confirmed, but uh, what, what are you, what, are you going to buy one? Uh, well, if, if I, I mean, I won't have a choice. 
if the, that's what it is. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah, I, I think that they leaked it out just to see what people's thoughts would be. And they said, oh, is that what people's thoughts are? Forget it. No, 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 no. We're going to go redesign these really quickly. So I feel like they just put that out there. Somebody put this together and said, hey, this is what it's going to look like. First off, I know for a fact there's no way that the Phillies are going to put Philly on there without using their iconic P. Yeah. There's no way that uh, even in all this color scheme, they would still put the red P. So there's no doubt in my mind that this is just something that somebody threw together out there. Yeah, I hope you're right because these are atrocious. I mean, the Philly script, I hate the gradient. I also think there's too much of the navy and black. I The Philadelphia colors are the flag colors, which is what they were going for, is yellow and baby blue. It's no, there's no navy, no black. I just don't know where these get it. They're getting these colors from. The text is terrible, and I, I hope you're right. I hope these aren't real. And but the um, the branding, the MLB Nike tags, they look pretty legit. Um, so we'll see what really happens. But I mean, are you gonna are you gonna paint your face uh, like the Frankfurt yellow, like the Frankfurt yellow coats or whatever they were called? And in the yellow, I have and the to blue. figure out. I would have to figure out the color scheme. Definitely, <laughs> I wouldn't know exactly how to go about this one. But yeah, get the probably get these be very similar to a union look. Uh, well, yeah, I actually get that vibe from these. This is like if the union made a minor, like a youth baseball league. This would be the jersey. Right, I agree with that. I also hate the patch on the on the sleeve. The lo- the uh, city of brotherly love. Yeah, um, that's it's, like I, I, I don't mean, it's, the the V looks like a U, I think, which which makes it look even worse. But it's just it's just very weird. I hope they're I hope they're not real. Um, so let's talk about the big game tomorrow, the Super Bowl. Um, kind of the worst possible Super Bowl we could have asked for as Eagles fans. Chiefs Niners, are you gonna watch the game? Um, uh, and I guess not who you're rooting for, but who would you rather win? I will watch just because I'm a degenerate. You know, I will love football. Uh, and I am not rooting for either team, but I prefer the Chiefs to win. I actually have them winning this game, and it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game, actually. Uh, I think that it's uh, going to be a much more defensive battle. It's not going to be the two quarterbacks ringing up, you know, touchdowns and such. I think it's going to be like a 23-21 game. And I got the Chiefs kind of pulling it out with the field goal at the end. Yeah, kind of like last year, uh, but we're not going to talk about last year because that's still painful. Um, yeah. I, Again, that was my Mah- fault. You know, so. it was all you. It was all you. Um, if Mahomes does pull this out and he does win the Super Bowl, is he one of? Is he? Could he be the greatest NFL player of all time? I think it's still too early. You know, it's uh, he's he's uh, I've obviously puts him closer to the conversation but you can't say that he's the end all be all that's just you have to you, he's got to do more he still has to do more if he was to win this game and retire no you can't say he's the best of all time so i, I and he's not about to do that either so no. i i feel that he's still got more to do before he can do that and then ultimately we're going to wind up having to say all right is it tom brady is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it, you know, uh, Montana? You know, mm-hmm. like all three of those, all three of them deserve to be in that conversation, I guess, a little bit. 
You know what I mean? But Patrick Mahomes is the one who's just getting to the party. So he, I think he's just got more to do. All right, we're going to move on from the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about someone that called you the Philly sports most. I'm going to play the clip. It's about three minutes. So everyone sit back and enjoy this uh, interesting phone call. Oh, Avalon Brian. What's up, AB? I am extraordinarily concerned, right? And all of these events have to do with the sports gods being angry with uh, look, I didn't, I didn't mention, I didn't mention cursed yet, and I know that that's one of them. But listen, we've been tempting them for a long time. We threw snowballs at Santa, Chase Utley's speech, Jason Kelsey's speech, but I can tie it to one singular event that happened. And since that event has happened, we've had the playoff deflection loss, the Sixers, the double doink, 2020, Biden, COVID, Seahawks break Wentz, the, the Hawks break Ben Simmons, the Phillies collapse, the Union lose, the World Series loss, Sixers lose game seven. We lose it. You know, we're 10-1. We're out of the playoffs. I can tie it to one single thing. What was it? You know what that is? No. This attention-grabbing Delco scumbag, the Philly sports guy, deciding he needs attention. He has angered the sports gods. He puts up a GoFundMe so he can go to games. He has angered the sports gods, Tunis. He needs to go away. He needs to be expunged from the record like Vince McMahon, or we are screwed forever. Who? The, who, the Philly sports guy? The Philly sports guy. It is his fault. You he mean taking the attention away from the team. You mean, for the camp. You mean Jamie, is, the guy that gets, he gets, he paints, you know, he goes. He's the, the Philly sports mush since he has come. Like oh, I come said, on, man. Jamie, Jamie's a good dude. I can't blame Jamie for this. It is all Jamie's fault. Everything needs attention. It is all his fault. I've named it. Double doink. The deflection loss. COVID. Everything since he's appeared and needed attention. It's the Philly sports guy. I'm telling you. Tunis, he's got to go. Wow. Well, look, I, I appreciate his passion for all these for all these teams. He goes above and beyond, man. You still there? Why oh, Dre hung up? I did not expect Jamie, Jamie Pags, to uh, catch strays on the show today. That was the most wild, wild assertion to make. I thought we were going to go with um, the callers that would say I would give up, you know, 10 years of Philadelphia sports for a Super Bowl. Yeah, which would make a lot more sense than blaming the Philly sports guy. Yeah, Avalon Bryan is swinging a miss there. Well, I don't know. We might have to talk to Jamie. See if he if he agrees. I gotta hear his side. You know, I'm I don't even to... know how. I, I, that would be substantiating the other side of the argument. I yeah, don't know Jamie, how do you believe that, that you being in the building is the reason why teams are losing? Yes or no? So yes or no? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've been. I was told that people thought that that was me that called in. I'm like, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not Avalon Brian, you know, I, and I know, I think I know who Avalon Brian is. He actually has his own podcast uh, with a, with another group and, you know, they have been trolling me for a little while and he's been trolling me ever since I came out. So there's no doubt in my mind. I think I know who this guy is. Uh, and it, like I said, he blamed me for COVID, uh, you know, the, the double doink, which we won. By the way, uh, you know, I guess he meant the quadruple doink yeah. uh, when, you know, with basketball. Uh, it's just, you know, I, listen, if I definitely had that much power, I would stay away. 
if I was if I was the sports god. But the truth of the matter is, is that I was at all those games to get us to the Super Bowl. I was at all those games to get us to the World Series. You could almost say that it was because of me that they were able to get as far as they did, you know, mm. and that maybe I wasn't enough mm. to get us over the hump. You know, I was at, you know, I had gone that year. I had gone to three conference championships. You know, I went to I, I didn't go to to San Diego which is where he said, I, I did put up a GoFundMe to try to go to San Diego because I just didn't have the funds. So that was the only time I've ever put up a GoFundMe. And he brought that up there. I was part of his argument. So, and I tell you, I regretted doing that right away because every mush out there who, who cries, oh, why should I give you any money to go to a game? When uh, obviously they think it's just simple what I do, but that's fine. I. I, I, I have no malice towards them because they're working, hardworking people too. They don't want to lose their money. But truth of the matter is, is that I was there at those conference championships and we won all three of them. So I don't know that you could say that I was the reason why we lost because I didn't go to the, I didn't go to the finals out in Los Angeles for the union and they lost that game. I was out in Houston and we lost that game, but also I wasn't the one who made the pitching change. That had, you know, that had that ball hit 500 foot, you know, it's just all of that stuff. All of that stuff is just ridiculous <clears throat> to me. If you think that I have you know, that much power uh, over the sports gods for us to win or lose, then then you need to go get some some attention. You need some help. <laughs> yeah, I heard you say until another thing this dude needs to find God. Yeah, it's listen. <laughs> he, he's talking about the sports gods. You know what I mean? He's talking about how the sports gods are the ones we can't name the sports gods. He's just that, but they they exist, and because I'm there, because I'm there, the sports gods are like no. Actually, the sports gods love people like me because that makes people believe in them more. So trust me, they would have they would have us winning more. Zeus would be choosing for his team to win if they had somebody like me preaching that word. You know what I mean? So I listen. I I get it. I get it. But I I and I I don't care because he's a fan too. So I I don't have any malice or disdain to him. You know he he's allowed to believe what he wants to because that's what makes this America so great. But truth of the matter is is that if you know me. Even people who hate me, they come up and tell me they hate me, and then they start to talk to me, and they realize I'm just a fan like they are. I I don't claim to be the best fan. I'm just a guy who wears different paint. I do things because I do them for a couple of reasons. One, the kids love it. They come up and they take pictures with me. They have me sign autographs and stuff like that. Why does it? Why does anybody care what it is that I do? Why would anybody care? I ain't hurting nobody. I ain't doing nothing wrong to anybody. All I do is cheer on our team. I don't badmouth anybody. I don't badmouth the other team. I don't badmouth the other fans. All I do is represent Philadelphia in the best way possible. And if you don't like it, tough, because I ain't going nowhere. There you go. We should, uh, you should play that piano in the background while you, uh, you should make a song about it. I tell you, my fingers are too fat. It just would sound like chopsticks. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. ding. <laughs> All right, so let's look at some comments, um, that, some questions that were put in the chat. We have a question from Claw He He Num. Um, interesting name. Um, do you think Embiid, with two Ds, 
is getting traded. What do you think? No, no, no. The, the, the city would be in an uproar. Uh, so Derek Miller on Facebook, can we hold on to the playoffs without JoJo? Uh, he doesn't think so. What do you think? Yeah, I think we can. I think that the bad teams, like right now we're playing good to medium good teams. Uh, we're going to be playing some of the bad teams and we're going to beat those bad teams. I think that we're going to be able to stay on enough. I can get even uh, like the eighth or ninth seed. We're going to be fine. We have another question again from Claw. Uh, thoughts on Nick Foles returning and helping Jalen Hurts? I mean, obviously, he's not. He's coming back as some type of a uh, you know quarterbacks coach. He wouldn't be a quarterback on this team. Uh, I don't mind that. Um, I don't know that it would actually uh, if it correlates the same. But uh, if he was to come back as like an assistant quarterbacks coach. Uh, I, I think that would that can only be good things. You know what I mean? When you have a guy who won a ring and he did it against the best in the world, uh, I think that there's a certain level of respect you've got to give that. That's for sure. Um, my dad said that the Eagles need to draft Jeremiah Trotter, Trotter Jr. What do you uh, I would love for them to do that. Uh, the one thing that I hope that the Eagles paid attention to is what Houston did. Houston was able to change their whole – yeah, they got the number two pick, and then they traded up for the number three pick, and they got their quarterback, and they got their quarterback on defense at, by middle linebacker. And once they did that, everything turned around for them. And I hope that the Eagles see that, pay attention, and do the right thing. And I think that that's what Vic is here for. I think Vic has got – he's going to say, listen, I need my guy who's going to be able to run the defense out there. Yeah, Chris Lentz on Facebook said, give a round of applause to our Special Olympics champion, the Philly sports guy. Um, yeah, so he, he saw he, that I did the, the, yeah, the so, polar plunge yesterday. Yeah, yesterday, face paint guy did a polar did the polar plunge at the bank uh, with his phone, jumped in with the phone. Thankfully, the phone is okay. Uh, phone still he has, works. He's got some special phone that doesn't break in the water, which is crazy. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was uh, fun. I, I uh, I've never done a polar plunge before, and I will tell you, it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> how did your face paint stay on? Like what happened? Uh, that video gets released today. It did not okay. stay on. Uh, it 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 held up okay, but it wasn't super great. It wasn't super great, and uh, not many people behind me turned pink, so it was okay. <laughs> Yeah, so my dad also said that that dude is on crack. That said that you're the reason Philly Sports is a dynasty. Um, and and here's another person reporting supporting you. Donna said, "Please look for people look forward to seeing you." He just wants he just wants that. This dude is a uh, he's jealous of you. Yeah, and Donna Donna is great. Donna runs uh, Harry's Heroes. And she brings out uh, for every Flyers game, she brings out uh, veterans or first responders and, and just invites them all to the game. Uh, she really does a fantastic uh, organization, her and her husband, Harry. Uh, they just do great work. And uh, I love going up there to their suite and taking pictures with the guys and spending a few minutes of time there uh, with, uh, like I said, it's all different veterans or police you know, officers and such. They just love giving back to the community and the ones that uh, fight on the front lines for our freedom, sometimes on a daily basis. 
Yep. All right. We're going to end this show up. We're going to wrap this up. Um, Philly sports guy, where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Uh, just go to any any one of the Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and type in the Philly sports guy, and you'll find me. Uh, as Mike Missinelli once said, just Google me, and you'll see me all over the place. There you go. Quoting some of Mike Missinelli. Thank you very much for doing the show. It uh, means a lot. I hope to see you. Uh, I'll be an opening day. I'll be a union opening day, so I'll probably see you around. The, I'll see you around. Uh, absolutely, and I appreciate being the you know the best of luck with everything uh, on this show. I, I appreciate being the 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 opening guest, and uh, I wish you uh, the best of luck with everything. I know you're going to do great. Like I said, you wrote that article; it was amazing, uh, and I just know that this is one of the platforms specifically for you that you're going to excel in. I appreciate that very much. Thank you, everybody, for watching the original show. If you miss any live stream, you can go watch it back on YouTube or listen back on all podcast sites. This podcast will be posted up on those uh, later today. Again, Facebook guy, thank you very much. Everybody else, thank you for watching. This has been Ben Goldstein and the Philly Sports Bush in the Philly Sports Hour. Swing and a drive. Oh, what? I was trying to fucking this car! Oh! 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 Oh